think that the greatest thing that I can do for people is just to make them aware. Like mm. somebody had to make me aware that I had a drinking problem. Um, and once you know that, like you can't unknow it. Like I tried and it, and it doesn't work. Like you never kind of forget that that's your issue. So <laughs> I just had a patient that, uh, you know, honestly, after the first visit, I, I was pretty discouraged because she was like, she made a comment. She's like, so you're telling me that if the treatment doesn't work, it's just because of my mental health. And I'm like, I'm just telling you to look at it. And so I, I, I wasn't too hopeful about her care. But we followed up after two months and she's like, you know, I, I really sat down and thought about what you said and how that could be connected. And I've completely dove into that. My gut is way better. And wow. the, the, I, the amount of times I've heard that story is is it's just astounding. You are listening to the ultimate biohack for women, a movement of women who know what they want and go get it. You know, the answers lie within. Reach in and grab hold. This is a movement, a movement of women who tune in and turn themselves on. Now you're biohacking the woman's way, integrating the art and science of hacking your biology like a woman. Tap your magic, conjure your yes, upgrade, elevate, maximize your potential. I'm Dr. Brandy Victory, and this is a movement, a movement that is sure to hack your soul. Oh, oh, ladies. Okay, I've got some juicy stuff for you. Have you ever felt suppressed in your expression? Like you wanted to say something but thought better of it? Or you held your tongue because you didn't want to rock the boat or make people think you're weird or cause some kind of disturbance? I know it's happened to you. It's happened to all of us, I think. I mean, if my experience is any reflection of your experience, for sure, because I get this, right? And I'm here to tell you that withholding is showing up in your body. And I'm gonna explain that to you in just a second. But it's blocking your energy stores, it's blocking your energy flow, and blocked energy flow blocks your flow in life. And we know that pretty much sucks, right? It makes us feel stuck, it makes us feel it makes us um, trigger uh, maybe negative belief systems like I'm not worthy, must not happen for everybody else, but it doesn't happen for me. Or why do I keep hitting my head against the wall with this same freaking problem of eating food too late, even though I say I'm not going to, or this same problem in my relationship where we've had this conversation a million times, but nothing changes. Like the energy is blocked when you find yourself repeating past old behaviors that you don't really want to be, uh, repeat. So, um, question, are you ready to unleash your flow? <laughs> I'm really excited to bring this to you because this is kind of a whole new paradigm that I'm stepping in with, uh, in the realms of teaching. I've been studying sensually embodied dance for five years, but I don't really talk about it that much because it's a really private part of my life, but I've taken the teacher training and now I've put together some workshops and different things like that. And I've got this workshop coming up Friday, April 1st from six to 8 PM and it's called Centrally Embodied You. So um, it's gonna be a fabulous experience. There's gonna be movement and embodiment practices. Uh, we're gonna work on the third chakra. Third chakra is the um, 
place it's in the it's in the solar plexus and it's where our courage and our power and our will and the things that we stand up for like and when it's blocked like uh, we we correlate in the world of bioenergetics we correlate body structure like posture and the way the body looks to different blockages in the energetic system and someone who has a third chakra blockage or imbalance could have the body shape of like kind of a big belly. A lot of people are like, I want to lose weight. And I always say, hey, we got to work on the energetics, but people don't really want to hear that. But I'm just telling you, this body shape has kind of a big belly, it has a flat butt, the tail tucks under, the head juts forward. There's a little shortness in the waist. There's a shortness in the neck. There's a, there's a lot of um, whiny and complaining that comes out. But in this workshop, we're gonna learn how to turn that stuff around. So will you like lose weight immediately? I don't know, you might. Um, but what you're gonna do is you're gonna build your self-confidence. You're gonna feel better about yourself. You're gonna hold your chin up high in the, in the midst of even things that are uncomfortable. And so when you can bring that, when you can learn how that feels in your body, which is what I'm gonna show you in this workshop, when you can learn how that feels in your body to be in the midst of um, trauma or uh, upset or um, you know anything that gives you angst and you're still able to hold yourself really in an open way and not by like effort but by grace when you can hold yourself in an effortless graceful way in the midst of that stuff your whole freaking life changes so I'm so excited to help you begin to embody this new way of being in the world so I'm gonna put a link in the show notes and you're gonna go there and you're gonna send us a little email and let us know you wanna sign up. That's how we're doing it. You're just gonna send us an email, we're gonna have a little chat with you, make sure it's a good fit and we'll get you signed up. It's 49 bucks, Friday, April 1st, six to eight. Please do this for yourself and let's have some fun together. Okay, I really look forward to sharing this work with you because everybody needs better flow in their life. Hey, hey, ladies, welcome back to the Ultimate Biohack for Women. This is Dr. Brandy Victory, your hostess. I've got another wonderful person to bring to you. We're going to have a conversation that's going to go probably a little bit deeper than your normal conversations that you're hearing along this podcast, at least last year. Uh, this is Dr. Peter Kozlowski. <laughs> Kozlowski, thank you. you got it. And he's a functional medicine doctor. He's an MD who practices functional medicine. So um, he uses a broad array of tools tools to find the source of the body's dysfunction. He listens to his patients, he plots their history on a timeline, and he considers what makes them unique and co-creates with them a truly individualized care plan. And you know how important this is. Currently, he works with his patients online and in person via his Chicago, Illinois, and Bozeman, Montana offices. He did his residency in family practice and started training in functional medicine as an intern. This is, this is a, an interesting path that you've chosen for yourself. He's also <laughs> trained in the clinics with leaders in his field, including Dr. Mark Hyman, who we all love, Dr. Deepak Chopra, who we all love, and Dr. Susan Blum. So welcome to the show and thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Absolutely. Um, you know, I just love the fact that you're an MD and you're in the functional world. And as I was telling you just a second ago, I was like, gosh, if I could just like hold the flag for all MDs to come this way, uh, I would be the first one on the front lines to that because I've, I, I believe that our system needs a change and the system that's in place now does not appear to be, uh, for the benefit of the patient. And, um, 
you know, I think more and more people are waking up to that. And as you were saying that the system's really hard for medical doctors that are moving into a functional approach. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and how you got here and, and what brought you to this place you're at in your life? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, so maybe I'll just tell my brief story and then I can talk about um, just your, your question about um, people entering functional medicine. Yeah. So if you would have told me when I started residency that I was going to be a functional medicine doctor, I, I would have laughed in your face. Um, I, I would have, I, I would have said this as a joke, like there's no way, like, and so it was, it's shocking to me 10 years later that uh, 11 years now, um, that, uh, this is the world that I'm in. So for me, you know, the majority of functional medicine, uh, MDs are people who, have gotten sick, tried what they learned in traditional medicine and uh, didn't get better. And then they look for alternatives. And that, that's how most MDs end up in functional medicine. For me, um, my story is recovery from alcohol abuse. Um, I grew up drinking my whole life. I thought it was normal. I lived by the mentality of like, work hard, play hard. And when I got into residency, I tried to stop drinking and uh, I just didn't know how to deal with life without alcohol. Um, so I ended up going to a six week treatment program, um, during uh, residency and the whole six weeks of treatment was, it had nothing to do with alcohol. It was all about why it was all about underlying cause. And mm. so there's lots of group therapy. It was alternative treatments like meditation, yoga, acupuncture. The first time I had tried any of these things, and it worked very well for me. It made a lot of sense to me. And then when I got back to residency, um, as a resident, you are taught by different physicians every day, a few times a day, every week, every month, you're constantly getting trained by different people, especially in family practice. So everybody has their own style and you kind of pick stuff up from different people. We had one doctor that when, whenever he was on the inpatient service, he would have a start every patient that was admitted to the hospital on a multivitamin and vitamin D. And he was the only one that did this. And we used to like mock him and make fun of him for making us do that. And when I got back from treatment, it was in the middle of the night on a Sunday night, like two in the morning. And I, and I was sitting with him, his name's Dr. Batra. And I was like, Dr. Batra, like, what are you doing? Like, why do you make us do this? Why are you weird? Like what, what's going on with this? And he took me straight to like the IFM website um, and showed me and he was like, I'm studying functional medicine. And I was like, he kind of looked at it. I was like, this sounds interesting. Um, and as a resident, they require and pay for you to go to medical education conferences of your choosing. So I went to the AFMCP, the, the introductory course to functional medicine. And within the first hour, I knew that I, like, I could never look at medicine the same. Um, it just everything made sense. And the whole time I was kind of looking around, like, why, why did nobody teach me this, like, over the last seven years of medical school and residency and all this stuff. Um, and so that's the question we'll get into is, is what what's going on with that. But there was at this conference, I was the youngest one there, at least the youngest in their career, because I was still in an intern. And there was surgeons and neurologists and ophthalmologists and all these different people there training and, and 
we, you know, I would talk to people at breaks and, and everybody was like, like, I was confused why people in those fields were even there, but everybody overwhelmingly told me, they're like, if you're just getting started, this is what you should pursue. Mm. Um, so I finished that first week and I went back and I kind of told my family and my residency program that this is what I want to do. I think everybody thought I was nuts. Um, I think they might still think I'm nuts, but, um, it, like, I, I just kind of took a leap of faith based on the people I'd met, what I had learned. And, and for me <clears throat> with medicine, like I always have to stick to things that I can make sense of. Um, if something doesn't make sense to me, I have a hard time like telling somebody to do it and everything about functional medicine just made sense to me. Um, so that, that's kind of my story of how I got into it. I would say the number one, uh, detractant that more physicians aren't going to get into this. And this is my own personal opinion. The medicine is taught by the pharmaceutical industry. We are taught evidence-based medicine, right? And that's the obsession when you're going through medical school and residency, it's like evidence-based, evidence-based, evidence-based. All the evidence is funded by the drug companies that make the money off the drugs that they're selling you very rarely ever read an article that doesn't end in, okay, well, prescribe this hypertensive med or prescribe an acid blocker or prescribe. It's just, there's no money in it. Um, and, you know, unfortunately that's what medicine is. And I always kind of joke, but I'm kind of serious. Like functional medicine is the worst business model in the world. True. <laughs> traditional medicine model is the best business model in the world. And that's why they'll always be the majority and always have control because they get you sick at a very young age and then they keep you sick and then keep you alive as long as possible. And that's just more. And, and for the majority of Americans, it's just more and more meds and procedures and all this stuff. So there's these clients that just never stop. And, and, you know, with the, like the rates of obesity and all of that, we're starting, uh, kids very young uh, with disease and then prescribing medications to fix them. Um, so I think it's, it's going to be an uphill battle always to get more doctors to be even open their mind. It's, it's, I almost, I would love to do a study on like, I almost feel like it's a brainwashing the way that they take you through and the way they teach you because you come out of it and you're just like, meds, 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 surgery, meds, surgery, meds, hospital. And it, and that's just all, you know, and, and, uh, so to change your way of thinking, it's like my story of like dramatic life event going in recovery, or you take like, uh, like I, for example, have had three MDs as patients in the last week, um, wow. which I always find is interesting when I have other medical doctors coming to see me. Um, it means that they've really kind of like lost hope and they've tried every possible option and they're kind of like, screw it. I'll try this other thing. But it, it just, it, it takes, I think a very significant event um, to once you're trained traditionally to open your mind. Yeah. So that that's my very opinionated opinion. <laughs> oh, I trust it. I trust it. You know, I have, uh... When I was, I was, I'm actually a chiropractor. That's mm -hmm. what my doctor had said. Um, I, but my intention when I was in high school was to be a surgeon and I was preparing for that. And 
through a series of circumstances, I will just say spirit guided me elsewhere. Uh, I became a chiropractor without ever honestly having been to a chiropractor. I didn't even know what a chiropractor was, but that's a story for another day. Um, but nice. in today's world, I, I often say I'm so grateful that I didn't get caught in it because it, I, I agree it is, it, it is brainwashing because how can it possibly be that someone goes to school clearly to help people like nobody becomes any kind of medical doctor without wanting to help people get well. Right. That's true. And nobody does like every single right. doctor wants to help people get well. Yeah. And then they take this oath and then do, do just the opposite of that in their practice. Like it just doesn't make sense. It has to be a brainwashing system. And I, and I feel so, so sorry for doctors who don't wake up. You know, you have the, the beautiful opportunity to have woken up through some challenging times in your life, obviously. But I, I, would, I would bet, I don't know this to be true, but I would bet 99% at least <laughs> of people in the functional world have had to heal their own issue and it didn't work with the medical model. That's my guess. I, I, I completely agree. I yeah. Completely agree. So tell us a little bit about what you do. I know, I know you obviously you practice functional medicine, but, to, but give us a little bit of insight into how your practice works. Cause it's a very uncommon thing to have a doctor, especially an MD, listen to their patients, forecast their, their treatment plan and really be a co-creator in their process. Yeah, it, it's it's an it's an amazing process. It's really cool to be a part of. Um, I would love to have a practice where I just focused on preventative health, right? At its core, that's what functional medicine should be: is hey, there's nothing wrong with me. Can we look at what could be inflaming my body that I don't know about that's going to present as autoimmune disease in ten years, yes. and let's work on that, right? Yes. That. That's what 99% of my practice should be. 99% yeah. of my practice is people with chronic disease and they've been to the Mayo Clinic and Cleveland Clinic and whatever university hospital, they've tried four meds, five meds. Um, they've had eight doctors tell them, I've done all the lab work, everything's normal. I try an antidepressant. Um, so I, I'm really kind of the last rope for people. Um, I feel like people really kind of have to have given up before they come to see me. Um, but luckily that, you know, we have really awesome outcomes for the most part. Um, so there is hope. I mean, that's, I think one thing I always offer is, is like, you know, don't worry. I'm not, you know, when I start doing my functional medicine testing, not everything's going to come back normal. Like it, it very rarely. Um, so there's like, so I don't particularly care what diagnosis I'm working with. I mean, I, I pay attention to that before come, somebody comes to see me, they fill out about 40 pages of intake paperwork. That's their full medical history from before they were born to now all their lifestyle, all of that. So I, I spend, depending on how much somebody writes anywhere from like half an hour to an hour before the visit, um, going through that. So I already have an idea about what I'm thinking. Um, an initial visit with me then takes anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes. And, um, that is in my opinion, our greatest job as practitioners is to educate. And so the overwhelming majority of my initial visit is just education, which is what I put into my book, unfunk your gut, 
um, as a tool to help people, um, you know, the feedback I've gotten is from, even from people that have read my book that haven't come to see me as patients is I was way more prepared for my functional medicine visit with whoever I saw. Sometimes they even know more because I just put my honest opinion in there than, you know, somebody that like me, that's been doing it for 10 years versus somebody that, like you said, they want to be doing good, but they just learned functional medicine. They're, they're one month into it. it. Sometimes just from my book, you're going to know more than that person. Um, so education at the first visit. Um, now, sometimes I do shorter visits. If people reach out and they're like, Hey, I read your book or I listened to your book and you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to order testing. And I describe testing. And, and so, um, that's changed a little bit since I published, but we do the initial visit. I'm a very objective person. So I like to run labs. Um, I can talk about the main stuff that I look at, but I, I typically will order labs after the first visit. And then, uh, once we get results, then we start making a plan. And so going back to the diagnosis thing, like very rarely do I care that much, whether your diagnosis is eczema or rheumatoid arthritis or high blood pressure or autism, it, it doesn't really change what I'm doing that much. Sometimes if there's like high cholesterol, there's some really good supplements I could recommend or something like that. I find the majority of the time I'm actually getting people off of supplements, um, which is always shocking to my patients, but I, I do think we've, they're kind of overdone. Um, so frequently a few minutes is just spent like telling people which supplements to cut out. Um, and so they're getting into functional medicine. There's five main areas we look for inflammation, food, gut health, hormone imbalances, toxins and mental, emotional, spiritual health. Mm, love that. So the, the mental, emotional, spiritual part is my favorite part. That's what my book's all about. Um, oh, cool. I haven't read it. I'm going to have to read this. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it started with my own story, obviously of mental health and recovery. Um, but then it, it just expanded when I started working with patients and I could take a hundred patients with SIBO give them the same treatment and half get better and half don't. And what's the underlying theme always is the mental, emotional, spiritual part. Um, people don't want to work on that. Um, which kind of blows my mind, but also I completely understand. Um, my patients will be like, just give me the right diet, give me the right supplements, order the right test and everything will be fine. And I'm very kind of just blunt and honest and, uh, I'm just like, that's fine, but you're not going to get better, like, or you're going to get better and you're not going to maintain it. Um, so mental, emotional, spiritual health is, is what I really try to tie together in my book besides all like the, the microbiome and the conditions that could go wrong and all of that. But the key to your gut health is your mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Um, so that, that's probably the number one thing that I would love to teach everybody is that that's the most important part of healing your gut. Mm. Um, so then, but that, and so that's the most important part and, and maybe I could just explain the science so people understand. Yeah. Would that, you please? Cause I, I'm not sure people are putting together why doing the spiritual, mental, emotional work, yeah. anything to do with the gut. So it all, the, the key is your vagus nerve. 
Um, you have 12 cranial nerves. There are nerves that run from your brain to other places in your head or cranial nerve number 10 called the vagus nerve runs from the brain to the gut and to the heart and to the lungs, but we'll focus on the gut. So this vagus nerve is like, just imagine it as a highway of information and information comes from the brain down to the gut and information goes up from the gut to the brain, right? So your gut tube is surrounded. So the, when we talk about the gut, it is a tube that starts with the mouth and ends with the anus. There's openings on both ends. The other most important thing that I like to teach people about the gut is the inside of your gut is considered outside of your body. So if you swallow something and poop it out, it's never been inside you. People have heard that term leaky gut. Well, that's what that means is when the barrier is lost. And the crazy thing about the barrier of the gut, it's a single layer of cells. It's super thin. Your skin is three different layers of multiple cells. And but how do people treat their skin versus their gut? People wash their hands 10 times a day and then they throw anything in the gut tube. Well, it's so much easier for things to cross the gut barrier and into the body. And like that quote that's so famous, like that Hippocrates said a few thousand years ago, all disease begins in the gut. That's why, right? And, and to me, why is all this chronic disease escalating? the toxicity of our environment, right? We're, we're making our guts leakier and then more things get into our body and our immune system responds. So, but this tube that we're talking about is, is surrounded by something called the enteric nervous system. That's a nervous system that surrounds your gut tube. It has more neurons than your brain does. So your gut nervous system is bigger than your central nervous system. That's what's connected to the brain by the vagus nerve. So that, that's the connection. And the other most important factor is the vagus nerve runs on your autonomic nervous system, which is your automatic nervous system. So you don't think about it. It, is, it can either be in two responses. It could be in sympathetic response or it could be in parasympathetic response. Sympathetic response is fight or flight parasympathetic is rest and digest, right? So when, and both, both responses are crucial to our survival. Like we've survived throughout time, through evolution because of our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems, telling us when to be alert and survive, and then telling us when to calm down. So when we calm down, the blood and energy go to the gut to help you digest food. That's when you start making stomach acid. That's when your gap junctions stay tight. That's when your microbiome can flourish because all the energy is going to your gut. When you're in sympathetic fight or flight, that the analogy now that I live in Montana is I'm, you're out hiking, you see a grizzly bear, your sympathetic nervous system is activated. The energy goes to your brain and muscles and the energy is shunted away from your gut because if you're trying to survive from like a wild animal, the, from an evolutionary standpoint, the worst thing you could be doing is digesting your food. People are living as if they're running from a bear 24 seven. Yeah. We wake up and the first thing we do is check our phone and there's the media, social media, there's the news, there's breaking news. Um, there's work emails, there's texts, there's calls. And right from the first thing we get up, our mind tells our gut, 
okay, I don't need you today. And we, you're not going to work today. And in my opinion, in, in the overwhelming majority of people, it starts when we're kids. And a key definition that I use is trauma. So most people think of trauma as like violence or something like that. To me, trauma can, the best definition I've heard of it is trauma is anything less than nurturing. And so trauma can start, it could be as simple as a, a little child coming home from school, wanting to show off their homework and parents are working. And so it's like right away, a signal starts like, okay, I'm not good enough. And that shuts down the gut. And then 20 years later, that could present as Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And it all started with just not feeling good enough. Um, because that activated the sympathetic nervous system that shut down your gut. And then you live in this toxic world where then if your gut's not working properly, all these toxins get into your body and it presents as systemic symptoms. So that's the science behind why I'm so passionate about mental, emotional, spiritual health. Um, it is, um, it's the key to everything. And I, I'm, I'm writing a second book now. Uh, we're going to publish later this year about toxins. And I mean, it's even you shut down your body's ability to detox when you're in that fight or flight response. Um, so the treatment, the best treatment is the present moment. Um, everything on our environment is basically tailored to get us out of the present moment. Um, so it's extremely difficult to get in the present moment, but most things would heal, in my opinion, if we could just stay in the present moment. Um, and so I, I've, I've recommended every patient who I've ever met to work with a therapist while they're working with me. Um, I, I can share my own story. I could share things that work for me, but what works for me isn't necessarily going to work for you. That's when it, that's the hard part about the mental, emotional, spiritual part. I could refer you to a therapist I love, but they might be a terrible fit for you. Right. And, um, or for me, I really need to exercise on most days. Otherwise my mental health falls apart. Some people don't feel that way. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's kind of, you know, most people are shocked that, that haven't heard somebody coming at it from this perspective. And I mean, we can get into the microbiome and SIBO and candida and dysbiosis and all of that, but it's just in diet in, in, but there's that key piece that is overlooked by most practitioners. Um, and then in turn patients that, um, kind of puts it all together. Yeah. I love that. So basically what you're doing for your patients, as far as the mental, emotional, spiritual, is you're kind of giving, I'm guessing you're giving them some, uh, a referral to a therapist or getting them into therapy. You're talking to them about your own situation and how you've recovered and giving to give them motivation. And are you giving them like tools to do at home or like meditation techniques or anything? I, I that's not why people are there to see me. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So they, they want to talk to me about, um, you know, they're, they're, toxin levels, their mold levels. They want to look at their thyroid or their progesterone levels. So it depends. I mean, some people will, will like want to get into it with me, which I always love. Um, sure. but to me, I think that the greatest thing that I can do for people is just to make them aware. Like mm. somebody had to make me aware that I had a drinking problem. Um, 
and once you know that, like you can't unknow it. Like I tried and it, and it doesn't work. Like you never kind of forget that that's your issue. So I just had a patient that, uh, you know, honestly, after the first visit, I, I was pretty discouraged because she was like, she made a comment. She's like, so you're telling me that if the treatment doesn't work, it's just because of my mental health. And I'm like, I'm just telling you to look at it. And so I, I, I wasn't too hopeful about her care, but we followed up after two months and she's like, you know, I, I really sat down and thought about what you said and how that could be connected. And I've completely dove into that. My gut is way better. And wow. the, the, I, the amount of times I've heard that story is, is it's just astounding. Um, and, and it just confirms what I believe that I've never, I've never, ever had a patient that's like, yes, I followed through with the mental health stuff. I also treated SIBO and I'm not better. Like it, it's never happened. The success rate when people dive into that and accept it is 100%. When, yeah. when people fight me on it, because most people, most of my patients just, I could just see their face go blank and they're like, okay, this guy, he's wasting yeah. my time. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'll have people that will actively fight with me and be like, you know, and get into it. And like, um, and I'm like, that's, you know, I might just not be the right practitioner for you. If all you want is the right supplements, I'm not the right guy for you. Um, and another funny thing I've seen is, is I had four adrenal gland tests comes back in the last week, which were cortisol tests, right. To, to measure someone's stress. And I had two people that did the adrenal gland testing who were the ones that were adamantly like, screw you. I don't have any mental health issues. I just, everything just bounces off of me. And they came back. If anyone's ever seen a, a cortisol test, it's, it should follow a bell curve. So it starts high in the morning and then it kind of flattens out throughout the day and goes low. It's measured in the saliva. So somebody spits into a tube four times throughout the day. And I call it like my stress test, because if your cortisol is high, that's what's released when you're stressed out. So the two patients that, you know, kind of took the approach of like, no, fine, I'll do the test to prove you wrong. They both came back through the roof, like their cortisol came back as high as I possibly is as, as, as high as it can go. I had two people that told me they're like, I am under the worst stress of my life. Like I am so just stressed out and their cortisol curve came back totally normal. And to me, that just signifies the, the acceptance of it and, and mm -hmm. the power of denial versus acceptance, which is the first step in recovery. I think it holds true in just about anything is, is like, again, once you become aware of something, you, you can't really turn back. So those people that had the cortisol tests, um, elevated that, you know, a lot of times that'll be a trigger for people like when they see the objective values, like, okay, maybe this guy's right. Then maybe they'll start looking into it. Um, so yeah, those, those are just kind of some interesting, uh, stories of my experience with it. Um, and it, for me, again, it's just trying to wake people up to the fact that this is part of your physical health. Mm. Love that. Yeah. I mean, I personally believe that's essential. I mean, we're not just a body, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, uh, from my perspective, every single physical experience we're having has an energetic blueprint or a consciousness 
connection. So there's a consciousness, physical experience interface. And then that interface is where things can get a little wonky and we don't really know that's happening. So, you know, how do you handle patients who come and, the, and they're like, nothing's wrong. I don't have any stress. Um, I just have hormones and, and, you know, indigestion or constipation and, and they don't really want to look at that stuff. Are you willing to work with them? I am, but I just, I, I tell them that they're wasting their time. Like, mm. you know, as you know, where, where I was talking about like how terrible the functional medicine business model is, it is, exp it's more expensive upfront, right? Like I charge more than your regular doctor. Although sometimes when you look at the bills, it's not even more, um, in the long run, then, it's not, no. And then the lab testing, most of it, what I do is not covered by insurance. So it is a, usually a, a larger bill on the first day. Um, and, but then I don't see people again after three or six months. And that, that's where the horribleness of the business model is, is like people come to see me, they get better. And then I only hear from them with like a Christmas card or something. Um, and so something it's something else arises, I am sure. Yeah. And it, it so it's, it's terrible business, but so that, I mean, for people that are, that don't want to work on it, I, I mean, I, I'm just, I've just learned to be, uh, brutally honest and blunt and I'm, I'm like, that's fine. Like I can order the testing for you. I can give you treatment plans, but I'm just telling you that I think your, uh, likelihood of a good outcome is very low and you're probably wasting your time. Um, nice. some, so sometimes I'll order the cortisol test. The other thing is we can see how stressed out someone is, is by their microbiome. So most people are coming to me because they want to fix their gut and we do stool testing to look at one's microbiome and their specific probiotics that are suppressed when somebody's under chronic stress. Mm. There's also an immune marker called secretory IgA in the, in the stool that is basically suppressed when you're chronically stressed out. So those are two ways where I'm like, that's fine, but let's, let's see, you know, let me look at your microbiome and then I'll be able to tell you whether I think I'm right or not. Um, so, I mean, I'll still work with people, but it just, it never, uh, it never goes as well. And it's, I mean, as someone that's struggled in recovery and, and like, you know, I've had a lot of, I had a lot of people that offered me help that I just wouldn't take. And so sometimes, you know, I can see it from the other side when I'm offering help. I'm like, I know if you did this, you would get better, but you know, it, it's not until somebody's ready and, and usually people yeah. have to hit their rock bottom and, until they're ready. So this may be a question you don't know how to answer yet, but I'm going to ask it. Cause it's just like, I've been talking to so many practitioners and it seems like a very common conversation. What is the or desire, I should say, what, what, what do you see as the uh, impetus for people to shift from this, this way of being in the world of, oh, I have to be a in a, a place of detrimental health and exhaustion and fatigue and pain before I ask for help too, because wouldn't it be lovely, as you said before, if, if people were like, Hmm. What if I could be vital as I age and feel even better than I feel now? Um, how can I like preserve my health as I age and, 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 and have that be my lifestyle? Like what, what would be the, the trigger or the impetus to get somebody to make that kind of consideration for themselves? It sounds kind of ridiculous, but I almost feel like one of the 
best and and I definitely think it's one of the worst things is social media. You know, it, with the amount that people are sharing like that, um, you know, if just one person shares their health journey and then like one friend sees that and they're like, oh, I had a similar issue. Um, and, and so the, the internet is the greatest gift and the biggest curse. If, if someone reads my book, the first chapter is basically just making fun of what happened when I Googled abdominal pain and all the different things I could convince myself of. So it, it's pretty funny. Right. Um, it's funny, but it's true. And it's sad at the same yeah, time. It is sad. Um, but so that that's where I'm pretty anti social media and internet, but it's everybody's on it. It seems like, so it's, it's a way that sometimes people can, you know, you just have one friend that it's like, Oh, you're juicing now. I, I, my best friend from high school, uh, he got into juicing like six years ago and now he's like a a famous celebrity with a few hundred thousand followers. Um, and he's changed thousands of people's lives from all over the world, just through posting like cool videos of his dog making juices. Um, his name's Johnny juicer. Um, this is fun. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So I've seen like him, like when we like travel together now in places, people like there'll be people screaming his name. Like he's, he's like a celebrity and all he started doing was just juicing and putting it on social media. Um, so, you know, besides like, you know, hitting rock bottom, you know, it, it takes like a stroke of luck. Right. Cause as, as big as I, like, I, like, I feel like I got lucky getting introduced to functional medicine. I I didn't search it out. I didn't want to do it. Um, it just kind of got thrown in my face and I was just like, I can't really argue with this. So I'm going to just stick with it. Um, but it's, you know, I, it, change. I mean, I had a therapist once or a counselor tell me that like getting people to change is about as easy as like getting someone to rip off their own skin. Um, so that that's like, you know, that's how hard it is to change. And if you're into like, you know, the American diet, go to the grocery store, buy stuff in cans and boxes and easy. And, and, uh, then you go to your doctor, you know, once a year, who's like your trusted person, like, all right, I'm going to listen to this person and they don't talk to you about any of it. Right. They do your cholesterol profile and like a CMP, a CBC, and then they tell you you're fine. Um, often I will interrupt you for just a second. Cause I often hear often hear people say, I asked them if it mattered, if I was drinking mm-hmm. milk, or I asked if it mattered if I should change my diet. And they're like, Oh, it doesn't really matter. I've had patients screamed out of the office by their rheumatologist for asking like, Hey, do you think that my diet could be contributing to this like rheumatoid arthritis at all? And they get screamed at and fired. Oh my gosh. That's, it's really sad. Like I'm laughing right now, but it's boiling my blood. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. And, and so that's where we talk about like that brainwashing of like, of practitioners that is so severe. Um, I mean, my, I would love to spread the word of functional medicine. I mean, I wrote my book. I, I think it's a great tool for people, but the people that have found my book are people that are already interested in functional medicine. Mm, right? interesting. And, and so it's, you know, my, my thought process is always like, how can we get like the general public to, you know, even if there could just be one news story about like, Hey, you know, 
toxins are bad or, or vegetables are good. Like the most basic thing that opens, um, that's where I say social media, because like, I know we can't rely on the traditional media to say anything about health. Um, so then it's like, you know, just getting lucky that somebody across your social media or in a, a gym class or a yoga class or something is like, Hey, you know, I, I met a functional medicine doctor. You should check this out. Um, so I, I think that's the the greatest way that we have is, is just word of mouth. Word of mouth. Okay. Okay. Ladies, here's the thing. Here's what we're going to do right now. Pause the show. I know I don't ever say that, but pause the show and share this with someone you love and know who doesn't know about this kind of stuff, because we all, all of us who are in this world, know somebody who does, who isn't in the world. And so we're going to spread the word right now by helping those people hear the message so that we can begin to wake people up so we can all be healthier and have a better planet to live on with each other. So thank you very much. And then restart the show. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Nice. Okay. So I know you do food elimination diets. Tell us a little bit about that. And do you put all your patients on them? No. Um, I, one area that I differ with, so that I differ with a lot of practitioners in our field is I don't rely on food sensitivity panels. Um, I've never ordered a food sensitivity test personally. I've always relied on an elimination diet. And what I'm talking about, um, is food sensitivities. And when your body reacts to food, you can have an allergy, you can have celiac disease, and you could have a sensitivity. Allergies and celiac are pretty much the only things that you're somebody from the traditional standpoint has heard of, right? And allergies and celiac are very easy. Your regular doctor believes in it. We'll test for it. We'll talk about it. Um, the probably the thing that makes them the easiest is, is the reaction happens right after you eat the food. So somebody that's allergic to peanuts doesn't make it to 15 years old without knowing. So with celiac, I mean, once you have some gut symptoms, some skin symptoms, your doctor will test you and there's good blood testing and we can answer. Yes, you have celiac disease. Sensitivities are what we work with. And that's the point of the elimination diet. Sensitivities are chronic basically low level inflammation responses to foods that pretty much have been like, as I say, messed with. And so whether that's gluten with the hybridization of wheat, cow, anything dairy because of what cow is not eating grass anymore and roaming around and and being fed genetically modified grains and soy and corn over 90% of soy, over 90% of corn are genetically modified. That means the protein structure has been changed. And so our immune systems, when these proteins, so the, the dairy protein doesn't look the same way it used to, the gluten protein doesn't look the same way it used to, when it crosses that gut barrier and into our body, our immune system is waiting there. And in some people, the, the immune system is saying, whoa, this gluten, get out of here. And it attacks. And then when the immune system attacks, now you've got inflammation in the blood. What happens with the blood? It goes everywhere from your head to your toes. And that's why you could take a hundred people with a dairy sensitivity and they all have different symptoms. Um, And that's where I don't particularly care about the diagnosis is because once inflammation's in the body, it can go anywhere. So food sensitivities the biggest problem with them besides the regular medical world, not believing in them 
is um, the reaction is delayed hours to days after eating the food. So the reaction does not happen after you eat gluten. And the analogy I always give is, let's say I eat a bagel every day for breakfast and I feel fine. I eat it, I work, everything's fine, but I have chronic migraines and eczema. And I go to my doctor and I get a pill for the migraines and a cream for the eczema. Um, and then um, I keep eating the bagel every day and I have no clue that's what's making me sick. Well, now the migraine medicine has destroyed my gut. So now I'm on another med for the gut. And now I'm on three meds when all I needed to do in the first place was just cut out the gluten. Um, but that's, that's what makes it so difficult is, is that you will never know you are sensitive to a food. It, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't work the way an allergy works that you eat it and you feel it and you know, um, cause I have people that will like fight with me. They're like, no, I've been eating gluten my whole life. Like, it's definitely not an issue. My doctor told me I don't have celiac, so you're wrong. And it, you can have a sensitivity without being allergic. You could be allergic without having celiac. You can have celiac without a food sensitivity. So each reaction is independent of the other. And people just kind of are or thought like the, the thought process is, well, if I'm not allergic, then I don't have an issue with it. Yeah. Um, and so I, like an allergy will kill you, you know, it could kill someone immediately, right? They go into anaphylaxis and it's very dangerous. I think that sensitivities are even more dangerous because they slowly kill you and, and you are slowly getting inflamed and you have no clue that it's even happening. So uh, an elimination diet is 21 days of cutting out the biggest offending foods, which I named and, and I have in my book and we have 50 recipes that one of my patients wrote. Um, it, the, you cut the foods out for 21 days, all of them, and then you add them back in one by one using a tracking journal. So you do one food every two days. And you keep this journal that basically says like, okay, today I reintroduced corn and I got diarrhea and a rash. So that tells me you have a sensitivity to corn. The reason that to me, this is the gold standard is because everything in your body has a half-life. So whether you uh, drink alcohol, your hormones, heavy metals like lead and mercury and mycotoxins, everything has a clearance time. The half-life of IgG antibodies, which are what are created when we're sensitive to a food, is about 21 days. So if I had a bagel today and I have 100 antibodies against gluten floating around, if I completely avoid gluten for 21 days, my immune response cuts in half to 50. I eat it again on day 22. And if the immune system remembers this is an invader, it will attack and I will get symptoms. So do I start everybody on that? No. Um, but most people that come to me have actually even already have seen another alternative practitioner. So um, if, if I get like what I call a functional medicine virgin, somebody that's had like no like experience with it at all, then the majority of the time I will start with an elimination diet. Um, but that, that just doesn't happen in my practice anymore. Um, I, will, you know, I do start, I mean, it's always the first, it, it's the first step. Like if you are unsure what to do with your health, the first step is always an elimination diet. Um, so I, that's I, food sensitivities and elimination diet. 
Yeah, so I'm curious about that because if they start adding the food back in, let's see, they add corn back in, but nothing happens. I'm just curious because like, let's say, let's say for me, I'm, this isn't how this is for me, but let's just say for sure. me, the corn, I have a sensitivity to it and uh, it causes systemic inflammation in my body, not like any specific symptom. And over time of eating corn, now I gain five to seven pounds if I eat that pretty continuously, right? How, how do you differentiate without food sensitivity testing that kind of impact that it's having on the body? So in my experience, and again, the, the, I totally appreciate there's different ways of looking at this and diagnosing it. Um, there will be a rapid immune response if somebody has created antibodies against the corn. So when you do cut it out for 21 days, we know the half-life is around 21 to 23 days. So we know that half of the immune response will be gone. And if there's a rapid flare in the immune response, you're going to feel it. Um, Interesting. Wow, uh, great. So that, that's the, the only tool I've ever used for food sensitivities. Wow, interesting. Interesting. And then once you do the elimination diet, are you also doing gut repair work for dysbiosis and SIBO and things like that? Or are you kind of waiting to see what happens with the food sensitivity test and then going for something like that? So usually like if we took just like a, a classic um, case, then after the initial visit, somebody is planning an elimination diet and they're starting it. I've probably given them some tests like stool, urine, SIBO, if we're talking about gut or heavy metal testing or mold testing. And they do that testing when they, over the next week, when they get home, the results take anywhere from two to four weeks to get back to me. The, what I always tell people, the biggest mistake you could make is not start the elimination diet. And I've seen it over and over where, where people come back after a month to go over results. And I'm like, my first question is always, how did the elimination diet go? And frequently I'll hear back, well, like I didn't start it because I wanted to see what my gut results showed. And to me, then we're, we're fighting an uphill battle because now we've got gut results and there's nothing to me in the functional medicine testing that will tell me whether or not you have a sensitivity. So people have lost now a month and now we're trying to do multiple things at once. So in the ideal world, if someone's never done an elimination diet after the first visit, they start an elimination diet. And then, um, they, we follow up to do the, to go over the testing. Um, there's, you know, the elimination diet, you, you know, everything is in my book, step by step, how to do it. I've seen people that just through an elimination diet, all their issues go away right? That they're happy then with their health. That's pretty rare. Um, but you know, that that's something that someone can try again at home before spending the money on a functional medicine doctor. Maybe all I have is a sensitivity that I don't know about. And that's something you can do just through, um, like reading my book and doing some grocery shopping and cooking. Um, I love that you have the, the food sensitivity list, the foods to avoid in your book, plus recipes. Like that's really helpful. And I just want to say too, like, hmm, I mean, even if you think that you're not allergic, like, oh, I don't have a sensitivity to that. I eat it all the time. You know, like I hear this a lot too, but I will tell you, like I would have bet my last dollar 
that I was, had no sensitivity whatsoever to eggs, like my last dollar. Yeah. And it was my highest, most allergic, sensitive C3BD, everything across the board was red, like lit up. And I was just so surprised and I'm really aware of my body. So if you think that it might not be a problem, it still might be a problem. <laughs> and, and that's my argument against sensitivity testing. Um, it is typically just a log of what you've been eating the most of for the last three months. And to me, in my, again, this is my opinion, an, an IgG food panel for food sensitivities is actually the best test for a leaky gut. And because there's not a good leaky gut test, there's like lactulose, mannitol, urine testing, there's stool. I haven't found anything that's consistent for leaky gut besides a food sensitivity panel. So if you have done a food sensitivity panel and it mostly is flaring up of things that you frequently eat, you might be sensitive to them, but it also might mean that your gut is just super leaky and those proteins of those foods have gotten in and you've got this low level response against it. Um, so that, that's, that's my, my main argument against the sensitivity panels. What I've seen is it mostly just identifies what people have been eating. It could, I mean, it, it can work because, you know, it usually has you cut out the biggest offending foods anyway. So you're going to get better. But, um, I think the best tool is the 21 day elimination. Yeah. And you know what, there's just so many paths to the same destination. And I believe that every single practitioner on this planet has a really special gift to offer. And however, however you play the flute versus how I play the flute yes. or some other doctor plays the flute, it doesn't matter if we put no. our middle finger on that hole, right? Because it's going to produce a beautiful sound either way. Right. So it's just really, cause you trust and own your craft and any patient that comes to you is going to get results because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And there, that, I, I totally always like, you know, it, I know the different way or I've, I've through my patients. I mean, I learn like, well, I tell them how I treat a mold toxicity and they're like, well, this, you know, person I follow on social media does it this way or, you know, and so I, I learn, you know, what else is out there. And I, I, I mean, I fully can admit that I, there's probably things that I could be doing better, but you know, you kind of learn your experience and what works and, and there are different ways to go about it. So I, I don't think that my way is the only way I know that my way has worked for a lot of people. So that's why I share it, but I, yeah. I, I know there's other ways to go about it. It's so, I so appreciate it. I mean, you know, like we were saying before, education is key and you've written this book and you know, that's. I don't know any other besides social media. I hate social media, but whatever. <laughs> besides social media, I don't know any other way we can start educating people, right? I, I think you're really going to enjoy the first chapter of my book. I can't it's, wait to read it. It's, I'm really it's pretty forward. funny. I think you're going to laugh. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. So, you know, just as a recap, we've talked about the gut brain connection. We've talked about the impact of emotional health and mental health and spiritual health on, on well-being. And then what I love so much about what you're doing is you're also you're weaving the, the the story of humanity into your practice with the mind body medicine and and well the mind and the body medicine right so um again we're we're, we're so much more than just our physical bodies and you know medicine has really just it's really trained us to think that parting ourselves out is is a, a way to take care of ourselves. Oh, the 
something's wrong with gallbladder, take it out. Yeah. Oh, oh right. yeah. There's like so many of those done every single day. And eh, is it necessary? And how about it finding the root cause? Because you can just take something out, but the root cause is still there. It's going to show up somewhere else. Right. And so, um, yeah, I just want to say thank you for what you're bringing to the world and helping people wake up to a better way of treating themselves and treating their families. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. There's, there's definitely one point that I I guess I want to finish with is the healing SIBO, getting rid of candida, healing dysbiosis, healing a leaky gut, detoxing from heavy metals, detoxing from mold, balancing your thyroid, balancing your estrogen, progesterone. Those things are just as important. Um, and, and that that's what, you know, that's the point of working with a functional medicine doctor. I just focus on, I find that stuff pretty easy. Um, in that there's good testing. So if we're curious whether somebody has mold exposure or candida, we can test them and then there's no guessing where, so that part I think is easy. The hard part is getting people to kind of understand the the mental, emotional, spiritual part. Both are equally as important. I just find one easier than the other. And, And so that's why, and one is less talked about than the other. That's why I try to spread more awareness around it. But I, Every day I'm guiding people through healing their guts, dysbiosis, all these, you know, that stuff is crucial for sure. Absolutely. I mean, we are a physical body, right? So right. it's right. like inside, uh, top down, inside out, but it also goes <laughs> inside out and how we treat from the, from every direction. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. And so where can people reach you? So my, if, if someone wants to work with me, um, my website's the best place, doc-cause.com, doc-koz.com. Um, there's a link to my book, Unfunk Your Gut, and it's spelled funk with a C if you're looking for it on Amazon or anywhere else. Uh, it's We used to say at my practice, we put the funk in functional medicine. Um, nice. So I, I came up with Unfunk Your Gut. Um, cause I had a slightly more inappropriate title that I was talked out of. Um, so unfunk your gut, there's a link to it on my website. Um, if people want to work with me, my assistant Jasmine, she is uh, amazing and she answers the phone. So if somebody calls, they'll, they can talk to her and she answers everybody's questions. Um, I'm on social media now, um, since I wrote the book, um, doc underscore cause, um, and, so the, the, but I, I mean, if someone wants to work with me, I, I think the best way is just to get a hold of us through our website. There's an email, there's a phone number. Um, and, uh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And go to his website and get his book and then share it with your friends who don't know about this stuff. Right. Cause that's our mission today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah even if you can, you know, if you take, you know, if one person tells somebody that, you know, has never heard of functional medicine, changes the world piece by piece. It does. It does. One voice at a time. That's so true. So true. It's why I have the show because one voice at a time. Right. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, yeah, may, may your journey be blessed and uh, may, thank you. May the world be a better place because of you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Awesome. Hey, ladies, just a reminder, if you're looking to unleash your flow, go down to the show notes below and get yourself signed up. Send us a little email. 
let us know that you want to register for the Centrally Embodied You two-hour workshop on Friday, April 1st from 6 to 8 for $49 because you are thrilled to overcome a lack of self-confidence and you would rather be showing up with a sense of empowerment in your life in a way that you've never done before. Uh, let's go. Click the link below. See you there. Thank you for listening to the ultimate biohack for women. If you'd like to dive deeper with our tribe, join us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you'd like to help grow our tribe, share this episode with your friends. Let's bring this light to our community so that other women can know their true power and we can create a tribe together worth being in. This podcast is for information purposes only. Dr. Brandy Victory is not a medical doctor. And the views and statements expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Dr. Brandy Victory and the producers, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.